Yeah. Way of the Warrior, your MMA show. Ten yeah, seconds. into it. Wow, he might get it. Ten minutes all over. Way of the Warrior. One of his legs could fight at welterweight, I'm sure. Probably. Full mount, here's some ground and I think the first two minutes were everything we thought it was going to be, and then after that, it was the surprise of the night. If it happens in MMA, you hear about it here. Your MMA show, Way of the Warrior. It is Way of the Warrior, Eric Hulkerin, along with Ken Evans, covering everything in the world of mixed martial arts on this very special Mike's, Michael Bisping retirement episode. Ah, uh, yes, the, oh, shoot, I didn't have God Save the Queen queued up. <laughs> We'll do it. You gotta po- tell me this. We'll crap. do it in post. Uh, no, we won't. Just YouTube it. <laughs> You've got YouTube on whatever device you're listening on. There's YouTube. Go listen to it if you want. Right after the show, pretend we played it. And you know, I an amazing announcement by Bisbing, and, and I, I don't know necessarily Ken your thoughts because we haven't talked this week. But I've always thought that Michael Bisping's time in the UFC is one of my favorite stories of all time oh yeah because you love him you hate him you love him you hate him you love him you hate him he's been that dude love him, hate, I have him love him hate him love him hate him champion you should probably start with hate him actually i don't think a lot of people liked him at first i don't know that i don't know if i remember like all the him british on the yes the british liked well, and, him. you know so th- th- he's a very complex character in that in that he was a pioneer in english mma right he mm-hmm. blew that onto the scene by becoming the ultimate fighter and does that for a decade, fights all these amazing people. He's one of your favorite knockouts of all time against Dan Henderson. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually wins the title at 185. One of my favorite fights all the time, of all time against Anderson Silva, though, too. Yes. That, that fight uh, with Anderson Silva where he came back after Anderson Silva thought he had a walk-off okay. knockout. Right. <laughs> well, so is I, there anybody else left in UFC that you can go back 12 years in their career? This is one of those I was trying to look it up and figure out if anybody's been in the UFC. There's some of the pride guys that have been fighting that long. But if you want to straight up go UFC careers, is there anybody up until Michael Bisbing just retired that had been doing it as long as he had? Because even GSP hadn't been in there for 12 years, right? I don't believe so. I mean, GSP was the other guy I thought, and I didn't even bother looking him up just because he took such a long break out of that. I, I didn't consider it the same as what Michael Bisbing's been doing, which is consistently fighting for the past 12 years. I mean, even slightly before that, because I think, when was the ultimate fighter? Let me go pull Bisbing's record up real quick. I wanted, to, I actually went to go pull this up earlier because I want to see how many guys that he lost to had actually juiced. It was most of them. Actually. It was a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of these guys had either TRT or exemptions or were caught at some point. Uh, the only one that I saw off the top of my head that didn't ever have any allegations was one of the first ones was um, Rashad Evans. Obviously, that loss yes. he took years ago. Then Tim Kennedy and Luke Rockhold. I don't think we've heard a lot about them. But guys like GSP and then, you know, there was a lot of rumors about GSP. Sure. We're not going to say anything. Uh, and then, obviously, his most recent loss to Calvin Gastelum. But, I mean, this guy's been doing it for 12 years. This is one of the one of the few bridges left to the old UFC and his retirement kind of takes us forward as far as, wow, there's not a lot of those old school guys left, those old school Ultimate Fighter guys when we hear more and more rumors that that show is about to be over. That show's about to be over and, and you mentioned Rashad Evans, he's on the under-under card to, to talk about the sport moving forward. He's on Fight Pass for UFC Chicago. Mm-hmm. So like Rashad is one of those guys that also is kind of 
part of that right that old guard. Is Rashad but, still fighting? Yeah, he was well, on this card. Oh, okay. but he did sort of pseudo retire for a minute. He's on this card. I mean, he should be towards the end. Yeah. Um, the only other guy is probably GSP. He's back to 2004, but there was a four-year break yes. in there. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have that break with Michael Bisbing. No, you did not. Um, and obviously, we've talked about this a bunch on the show. In his retirement, he'll now get his eye fixed because there was no point in fixing it, you know, while he was still fighting because could get messed up again. Could get messed up again. So he will get that fixed. So that's also exciting. But there was a lot of talk, though, that that was just a cosmetic thing. But he actually mentioned it as an issue, didn't he, when he said that he was finally going to retire? Yes, you know, and it, it's one of those things that it messes up, you know, his peripheral vision for sure. Which, but he probably never wanted to mention it when he was still fighting because you don't want to give somebody right. that edge there. You just say it's cosmetic. Although we were all looking at that eye and going, "Man, that thing's sideways." Well, and especially you know if you go back to the Henderson knockout where when he had two good eyes, he was walking into bad punches. Right, right? when you can't see, that's probably not something you want to tell your opponent. Um, but I've always said. He's, a, to me, a lock for the Hall of Fame. One of the most interesting Cinderella stories in the history of the sport. I don't know that I was more... Ex- I don't know that I've ever been as excited, and I know you make fun of me for the Vin Diesel story, but I don't know that I've been more excited for anybody. I don't make fun of you over the Vin Diesel story. But I've never been more excited for anybody winning a championship than when Michael Bisping won it versus Luke Rockhold. Yeah, two weeks. Yes. Right? Yep. Two-week notice. Working on a movie with Vin Diesel, drinking espresso, and then... Beat Luke Rockhold. Beat him the night, too, that uh, Ariel Hawani got kicked out of the arena, if I remember. I felt really bad for Ariel because, like you said, that's probably one of the best stories, long-term stories in MMA. I mean, at that point, we had had a decade of Michael Bisping back and forth, clawing his way to the top, trying to get championship shots. He was was very much like Uriah Faber, and he seemed to be the guy that would only lose to guys who had been champion or were champion. And. You know, to that end, if you've been listening to the show for nine years, he's been on the show five times. And if you listen to every single time he's been on the show, every single one of those interviews starts out with, what does a guy got to do for a title shot? Because he was always the bridesmaid. Right. You know, so every time he was on the show, he was knocking on the door and just was unable to do it. So when he was finally able to do it, it there isn't a better story in MMA. There just isn't. Yeah. So it was interesting, too, because he was he was also in that division for so many years with Anderson Silva. I mean, let's remember that, too. Right. right. So that's a tough... You know, you had, to, you had to prove when you're in that division with Anderson Silva that you could possibly beat him, and nobody ever thought he could. So that's why that was also such a great story before his championship opportunity. He went in there with Anderson Silva and got clocked. Got clocked. And he came back from that fight. And could Anderson have finished that? I don't know. But it, the dude wasn't out. You don't get to walk away from a guy just because he's sitting on the ground. Right. You know, that was Anderson Silva screwing up. And he came back. He capitalized on it. And he walked himself into that title shot because of that big win over Anderson Silva. And I, I will say this knowing that we're totally unprepared to talk about this. But I... I don't know. It's the best way to do it. Yes, because I don't know off the top of my head, is there a fighter who's, let's go like this, because maybe Rashad Evans is the answer, uh, or GSP, but with the four-year layoff, I don't know if he qualifies. Is there a fighter that has fought for that length of time that has fought more who's who in the division that they were in than Michael Bisping? I don't think so, simply because of the fact that by the time he was done, he had basically run through the, the division uh, wins or losses. Sure. I mean, especially at the end. I mean, you know, that, that other guy on the list and it was the 
Well, I guess GSP wasn't in his division for so long, but I mean, he obviously fought him uh, where he lost the middleweight championship. Uh, he beat Anderson. He lost and then beat Rockhold. He lost and then beat Dan Henderson. Uh, who else am I missing in there? Vitor Belfort was in that division, too. Uh, he fought Chow. I think he lost to Chow. He did lose to Chow. Uh, who had a TRT exemption. Uh, back in the day, I mean, he did fight Vanderlei, who he lost to. Again, another former champion. Uh, Chris Lieben. Let's not forget, Lieben was the next up-and-coming guy for for the UFC. And that he, was, yeah, well, that, that fight back in the day was set up for Lieben to win. And yep. he went to Birmingham, England, and could not beat Michael Bisbeing. And he pested, tested positive after that fight. Both of those things. And let's remember to go back a little bit further and get off track for just a second and loop it all around. They brought Anderson in to fight Lieben as a test for both guys to see if Anderson, mm-hmm. right, like what was Anderson going to do and could he get by a brick-headed Chris Lieben and yeah. he tore right through him and started obviously Silva's ascent and Lieben's kind of fall from grace. Yeah, and I think, I think your, other, your other guy is going to be uh, Rashad Evans. That's going to be your other guy because he's been fighting obviously since the Ultimate Fighter 2 and he fought all those dudes back in the day, Chuck and Tito. Um, who am I thinking of? Jones. John Jones, yeah, he definitely – I'm thinking back in that – Forrest Griffin. That's Griffin. what I was thinking of. Uh, he obviously fought Bisbing. They did that fight too. That's a guy who he, – he's also fought the who's who, especially as he's moved through. The issue with him when we kind of look at it is even though Michael Bisbing came off two losses to end his career – you know, his last run in the UFC over the past year has been pretty, I guess, year and a half, two years, has been pretty spectacular. Yes. Between the Luke Rockhold win, the Anderson Silva decision, beating Dan Henderson, and really kind of getting that monkey off his back. You know, he's had three huge wins, lost to one of the best of all time in GSP, even though a lot of us didn't think that was going to happen. He did. Uh, tried to fight Kelvin Gasolum, who's a great up and coming guy. And this is an interesting dynamic, too, when you look at it. That's the fight I want to see. When I was talking a couple of weeks ago about Vitor and Machida. Yes. I don't care who wins that. You're not showing me that they can do anything in this division. I need to see the guys that are coming up beat the guys that have been doing great in the past. And to see Kelvin Gastelum get that win over Bisping is kind of how this business should work in that regard. And so then he, he then, does go out on two losses. But I think if you look at him versus Rashad Evans, if we said Rashad Evans, Hall of Famer, are you feeling as good about it? Hall of Famer, for for sure, he's a Hall of Famer. However, there is no better, like, there is no debate about Michael So Daniel Kelly and Sam Alvey, those are other Hall of Famers he took his losses to, Rashad Evans, over the past two fights. He did beat Sean Salmon, though. That so with that crazy head kick knockout, um, I, well, so I, I like I guess to me, if you want to have a debate about a Hall of Fame, it's like. Were you a guy in the in whatever division you were in that was pushing the sport forward? I believe I believe Rashad was, but I just if Rashad were to retire, and, and I think I believe he's going to come off another loss. Who's he fighting again? Who is he? He's, I don't know. He's on the prelims of the prelims. Oh my god! If he well, comes, we had to make room for your boy that everyone's going to tune in to watch. We'll get to CM Punk later <laughs> in the show. If you're going to pay the guy to be there, you're going to put him on pay-per-view. That's, this argument is so ridiculous. We'll get to that It's in not ridiculous. We'll get to it in minutes. Did I mention My Rashad point. Evans is like making popcorn before he fights on Fight Pass? Sam Alvey. <laughs> That's who Rashad fought last, and he lost a decision. So, again, what I'm saying is if Rashad Evans retired today or retires in two weeks, we're not going to have that same feel-good vibe regardless of how – maybe he'll come off a win and great. You won on the prelims of a UFC card. That's not going to feel the same as, you know, 
Michael Bisping, he got to the top of the mountain and then he went out on his sword, man. Well, and and let's like two things on that note. He went out against a guy like a guy who is clearly one of the most dynamic, redonkulous athletes ever to grace a UFC octagon in George St. Pierre, right? Like a guy right. who just does impossible, probably as well, if not better than Conor McGregor, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't think anyone's going to look at that loss and go, terrible mm-hmm. loss, right? Should have right. never should have never happened. And then the one after it, listen to every... Go back if you want to listen to every MMA radio show, podcast and YouTube video when Michael Bisping announces he's fighting Kelvin Gastelum two weeks after getting pasted by GSP. Zero people, zero people thought that was a good idea. Right. But he did it because he wanted to help the company or whatever the reason was. He well, he, he took the fight that most guys won't take. Right. He took the fight which, that most guys won't take, which is against the guy who's up and coming, who's now in the discussion to be in that championship picture after his win over Jacare uh, two, three weeks two ago. Two or three weeks ago, yes. So, I mean, he, he fought a guy. And, you know, Kelvin Gastelum, remember, he was coming off that loss against Weidman. So nobody quite knew where he was, and he had that no contest against Vitor. And we thought he was going to be one of the next up-and-coming guys, but he kind of had to prove it. He obviously beats Bisbing, gets able to get, fight against Ronaldo Souza, and uh, in Rio beats him. I think that was a decision, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Gastelum? Because Jacare ran out of gas after that first round. And, oh, that's you know. right. We talked a lot about that. Two podcasts ago, if you want to download that. So... Michael Bisping did what he's supposed to do as a fighter, which is kind of keep taking the fights and taking good fights and not being a guy, you know, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to pick on Rashad Evans, but, and I'm not saying the UFC could have done anything differently. What are, they have to put him in against a Sam Alvey or a Daniel Kelly. And yes, I'm reading these guys off Wikipedia because otherwise I couldn't tell you who the hell these last two fights were. And he lost both of those fights. Which paints a different picture, not to disparage the fact that he's still going to be a Hall of Famer. But yes, it doesn't necessarily if he wins in Chicago after he's done making snacks for everybody and checking everybody to their seat. Would you stop um, to make sure that CM Punk's dressing room is, is correct for the least competitive fight in UFC history? Um, you know, if he wins that fight or loses that fight, like, yes, you will not have the same like, whew, it's been a run. Rashad can't wait to. Put you in the Hall of Fame. Oh, know. that's right. He's been fighting. That's what it's going to seem like. Right. Oh, you're on that thing? Okay. Right. So, I mean, I mean Michael Bisbing uh, it really had an amazing career, and the story ended in a pretty cool way, too. You know, Father Time is undefeated. It's going to get you. Nobody is going to retire as champion, essentially, unless you're GSP, like you said. He's that anomaly. Although, if we talk a little bit, we'll probably get into this in a couple minutes, too, about where they want GSP or what GSP wants, I should say. Uh, I think he might be... Might be... uh Fighting off more than you could chew? A little bit. I, I was trying to think of a better line about testing the gods' wills and stuff like that. But, yeah, we'll, we can be simplified and say biting off a lot more than he can chew, especially with some of these options. So, I mean, I, he's going to go out, too, at some point, unless he retires now. Uh, so... The fact that he comes off a couple losses, loses a championship fight, uh, not a huge deal when you kind of look at the overall story arc of Michael Bisbing, and it's kind of been an amazing story for the past 12 years. And there's some great pieces out there. And that's just UFC when I say 12 years, by the way. I mean, the guy's been fighting a long time. Cage rage and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's been a guy that's been in the octagon, or, oh, you can't say the octagon. He's been inside a cage. Since 2004, 2003, 2004. 
So yep. it, it's it's been an amazing run for Michael Bisbing. So congrats to him. Uh, big retirement announcement this week. Um, we have Will he go to ESPN because he's one of those Fox Sports guys right now. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about that. I don't really know how that whole thing works. And I was watching Joe Rogan this week, and um, it doesn't sound like he knows how that stuff works <laughs> either. Yeah, they were, they were talking about the Fox deal, but he was like, I, I don't. I don't know what happens now. Okay. So I guess we'll see. Well, but Bisping's certainly a guy that is a perfect fit for ESPN, depending on what, like, again, to what you when said. When he gets that eye fixed. But I mean, as an analyst, he's like one of their best guys, right? And right. I would just say, we talked about this last week or the week before, I, I don't know who they actually work for when they work on Fox or for Fox, so I don't know what happens when the deal is up, like... Right. Are, are all the contracts up? Is that how that works? I think they work for Fox. So, again, is it, do, on New Year's Eve, is do, do they all just get burned up in the... Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But they he throw would, them in that volcano in Hawaii? Would, what are you talking he about? He would be a great addition for ESPN. So I would love to see him there. So we had Liverpool this past weekend. Yeah, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I do want to talk about a couple of things. One, uh, one uh, Darren Till defeats Stephen Wonderboy Thompson <laughs> after not... I knew you were going to be fired up about this. After not making weight and then barely making weight the second time. So one of the things that happened... And and this is, I think, hard for this is one of the things about the sport that makes it hard for casual fans to follow along is like new rules just show up. So he misses weight. They accept, uh, you know, Wonderboy's camp accepts this fight at catch weight, except for this stipulation. He cannot weigh more than 188 pounds day of fight. And he weighs in at 187.3. This is for a 170 fight for 170 fight. He failed to make 171. So he missed weight. Now, before I talk about why that matters, I want to let you know that this weekend will be the two-year anniversary of the early weigh-in. And before that point, there were 22, two years leading up to that point, there were 22 fighters that missed weight for the UFC. In the two years that we have been doing the quote-unquote early weigh-ins, there have been 62 fighters that have missed weight for UFC bouts. And according, I haven't been able to fact check this, but this will be fun homework for you. Ray Longo was doing some interviews this week talking about the fight, obviously, because he's Wonderboy's coach, and said that he believes that missing weight with no ramifications is a better way to cheat than taking PEDs, and you're more successful. Well, if we're going to look at the situation here, what happened over the weekend where Stephen Thompson takes a loss against Till who weighed in at 175, I think. Something like that, yeah. 174, 175. Couple pounds over, but, you know, it's always those last couple pounds that these fighters will tell you. That's what kills you. Yes. That's what sucks the energy out. That's what's going on. I mean, if you if you want to look at it in that regard and you decide as a fighter, it's Thursday. You got to weigh in in the morning. You can kill yourself for eight hours to lose seven pounds. Or you can sit in the sauna for a couple hours. You knock three off and go, oh, man, just couldn't get it done. My health, I have for my health. If you look at it that way, he's a hundred percent right. Because that guy sits in the sauna, drops three pounds, comes in the next morning. Yeah, I'm four pounds over. Sorry, I'm, I'll give up my twenty percent. And I, I still want to fight. You're going to let the card fall apart, Stephen Thompson. That's essentially what Darren Till and the UFC did to Wonder Boy yes. on Saturday for the weigh-ins, right? Yes, they did. And that's a terrible position to put fighters in. And we just talked about Mackenzie Dern, right? Yes. You told me that before the show because I forgot who it was. You were super fired up about her. Well, she literally weighed in seven pounds plus, right? Right. Didn't even try, right? Didn't even do the sauna thing. Right. She comes in seven pounds plus, fights, wins, and goes up in the rankings. 
And and this is the same situation. I, I came in here super fired up saying, okay, so Wonder Boy's the number one contender. You beat the number one contender by not making weight, and your only ramification is you lose some of your purse, you still go up, and then call out Usman, who just beat Damian Maya, mm-hmm. because you again want to continue up the rankings. And Darren Till is a prospect for sure, but you're what you were talking about with Michael Bisping passing the torch to a guy like Kelvin Gastelum, that sort of stuff isn't happening when you miss weight and just wreck the rankings. And there are a lot of problems with the rankings for sure, but if you just wreck the rankings by not weighing in or weighing in four or five pounds over and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson gets a loss, a controversial loss. It's not like it was a runaway. First of all, it was a terrible fight. Secondly, it was a super close fight. Mm-hmm. And depending on your side of the argument, you could go with the fact that the home crowd judges did a favor to Darren Till. And all of that stuff gets you to the situation where you go, okay, so at 170, what, what happened this weekend? Well, Darren Till jumped six points. In the rankings, by missing and weight, Stephen Thompson dropped two behind him. Yes. By missing weight and putting out a terrible... It was a terrible fight. Terrible fight. Yeah. Where nothing happened. Now, you run in... Look, I'm not blaming that on the weight cut. So let's handle these two... Like, when you put two... Well, I think hot, some of it's on the weight cut. May, yeah, maybe for Stephen, right? Right, because like, he had to do his cut. But what I would say is any... You've seen this a million times. Anytime you put two high-level strikers together in a fight with high stakes... You can have one of timid. The, you can have one of these boring chess match stalemates, which is what you got. Now, all of that said, until there's an actual like we've gotten to the point where we we all feel as an industry that there are some really heavy ramifications if you get caught with PEDs. Right. Like an anvil falls on your head. Well, yeah, so, first first uh first Piss test is a year, right? Yes. Right. And two years, then you're sorry. One year, four, four years. years out, right? So an anvil falls on your head, and you're seeing cases now where you're drinking Jimmy John, right? Like Ken drinks a Jimmy John's that happens mm-hmm. to be tainted, gets right. suspended, and has this is the GNC Jimmy John's, and then has but then has to spend a year of his life proving that it was a diet soda that shouldn't have anything right. in it. Right. Right. You're responsible for what you put in your body. I get it. But like if you go and buy a gallon of milk off the shelf, are you going to go take it to a lab and test it? So there's heavy ramifications and lots at stake with PEDs. There's literally nothing. What happened to Mackenzie Dern? Yeah, this is the situation. I promise I'll make weight. Here's my money. Look at me go up in the rankings. Everybody loves me, heel or otherwise. And I don't know what you do because we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit again about the ESPN deal because we've got some more clarification on that coming up in minutes. But what you, what do you do if you're the UFC? You've got to put on 42 events a year with the ESPN deal coming forward, and I believe that's actually down. So God knows how many are going on right now. What do you, what do you do when you don't have a headlining fight? In that regard, when you do 42 events, if it comes down to your headliners or championship fights, I mean, you're in a really tough spot if you're the UFC. But why can't you just change it back? But what do you do? Put it back to normal weigh-ins then. If you literally have statistical proof that shows in the last two years, you've tripled the amount of people that have missed weight. Well, I think it's healthier for the fighters. And I think I think these are still growing pains. And here's the next step of the growing pains. We have to figure out the next step. I don't think you want to go back because it is harder on the fighters. 
We know health-wise that it's not as good for them as weighing in early. I think you need to find some type of ramification because these guys are going to do everything they can to get away with what they can. And what's happening right now, it, what it feels like when you read me those numbers earlier. What were those? Uh, 60 versus 20 in the prior? 22 versus 62. In the prior couple of years? So prior 24 months, 22. Current 24 months, 62. So... What, it, what that tells me is there's too many damn coaches who haven't adjusted at all and just hope their fighters can cut by Why the morning. Why would they? Exactly. So that's where we find this out. And here's the deal. If, there's the UFC, and this is where I think the big stick needs to be swung on occasion. I think the UFC needs to figure this out, and I don't know what you can do with the Ali Act and t- things like that. I know it's very specific to boxing, but they try to recognize certain levels of this thing. I, I don't know what you can do, but I think there has to be a much harsher penalty. I don't know if you can knock 50% off a guy. I don't know what you can do. I, I think a minimum, you've got you've to make it worse money-wise, and you've got to make it worse rankings-wise. Like, you can't move up in the rankings, or you're out of the... You can't be ranked in the division until you win a fight in that division. Yeah, because literally what you're seeing with Mackenzie Dern and Darren Till is they have to make weight once, their title fight. Right. Not even that. They make once, weight once before, and that's their division, and then they go miss weight, and they this just is what I'm saying. the like, next guy. They can, they can run through the division not making weight, and then they only have to make weight for the title fight. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, they've got to figure it out because they obviously have to make weight to defend it. But you literally could run the 170 division and 115 never making weight at either of those and get a title fight is what you're telling me. Possibly. Yeah. I think that's where, that's where the rankings come into play. That's where... I don't know. The UFC has to have some type of internal policy. They have to sit the fighters down and they have to go to Darren Till and go, hey, look, I know you went up in the rankings. You're going to have to still fight this guy again. You're still going to have to fight this guy again. You know, Stephen Thompson, a guy who takes a fight against a heavier guy has to be assured they're not going to lose a spot in the rankings. Yeah. And that can be that simple. You didn't fight in his weight. You can't move. I can't move Stephen Thompson. When I go vote, you can't move him when you vote, Eric, because he took a fight against a heavier guy to keep a card on pay-per-view, to keep a card on Fox Sports 1, to keep a card on ESPN Plus next year. I think, I think that's the biggest thing that could solve some of this, is that if nobody can move if you're not making weight, the guy who takes the fight doesn't have to worry about a shitty decision in the UK and then getting knocked down in the rankings and the guy who doesn't make weight can't advance essentially. Look, you'll stay where you are and you're going to fight this guy and we're going to see what happens. But I mean, for lack of a better term here, if you go to WWE, a lot of times what they'll do to set up their pay-per-views is they'll have two guys fight and then somebody gets a win over the champ, quote unquote. Yep. And now you got your title shot. Now you can fight him again. You got to fight him again to win it. And I know it's all scripted. That's not what I'm talking about. But, okay, Darren, you beat Stephen Thompson. You got to make weight and fight again if you want to move up in the division. Maybe even Stephen Thompson again. Maybe Stephen Thompson wants to fight again. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, as the guy who took the fight, I think you've got to give that guy a lot of leeway. You lock him in his rankings. Basically, if he cannot go down, you can go up. That would be very impressive. Let's say Stephen Thompson wasn't number one in the world. Let's say he was number four, and he goes in and beats a heavy Darren Till. Of course he can move up in the rankings. But that guy who doesn't make weight, you, you are locked in the rankings. doesn't matter what you do. Yep. 
Doesn't matter what you do, you are locked in the rankings. You're fighting simply to keep the card on and to make 50% of your purse, whatever number that is. Uh, the guy who you're fighting, don't worry, you're not going to lose any rankings. You can gain something out. You got to have something to gain. Sure. And too many times these guys, Stephen Thompson had zero to gain. We talk about sometimes, boy, this guy, he really went into save the card, had nothing to gain. You know, big ups to him. Bravo to you. And then they get screwed, which is what happened over this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, zero to gain, literally n- nothing to gain, and he lost and he got screwed. And I'm not talking about whether or not he got screwed by the judges. I'm talking about the situation in general. I think that kind of stuff could help to start and manage this from the outside because I don't think we necessarily want to go back to the old weigh-ins. I knew there were going to be growing pains. We, You and I both knew this. I, I think what has to happen is you have to figure out a way for there to be consequences because you're right, 100%. There are no consequences at this point. Didn't make weight. All he had, 20%. That's it. A lot of guys basically could negotiate at that point and figure, okay, 20% is going to be off, but I'm not going to kill myself going into the and cage. I'm going to go up six rankings and fight the you know, the guy who isn't the champion but is the most dangerous person in the division at Kalmar Usman. Right? You know, like, and it'll be one get- of those things. In a, couple of, in a couple of months, we're going to have a fight with Darren Till in it. And it's going to be it's going to be that division. It's going to be, oh, is he going to fight Woodley? Where's RDA? What's going on? And I'm going to go grab the rankings real quick. And I'll guarantee you this. Look, maybe we've had a lot of discussion today, so maybe I'll remember. But I know there's been times I've gone and grabbed guys rankings real quick and go, yeah, that needs to be the next fight. Because I've forgotten about the ass hattery that probably got them there. Sure. You know, and this will obviously stick out a little more in my mind than most. But sometimes it won't stick out at all because maybe Darren Till isn't your best example because he jumped to number two and we're going to remember how he got there but maybe it's a guy lower on there who jumped to number four from six or or seven or eight because he weighed in heavy so i think you've got to find a way to lock these rankings for the guys who don't make weight like you you're either locked or you're removed you're gonna have to fight to get back into them right like like literally you're gonna have to make guys remember you i mean shoot man they they pulled nate diaz out when he wasn't fighting it took them – there was one blip in the contract negotiations. You couldn't vote for the guy the next week. Yep. You're telling me you can't do that for guys that don't make weight? Piss off. Come on. I, and I think that's a really great way to do this because there, then there are some ramifications that aren't – right, like – I'm acting emotionally, right? So my consequences seem way more dire. And when you're trying to do 53 events, some of my stuff doesn't make sense. This makes a lot of sense because essentially, Darren Till, you're fighting for no reason. Right. You, you didn't make weight and you can't move. You're fighting for zero reason. Yes. And which is the way it should be if you don't make weight. Yes. You can't move up in the rankings. Hell, we won't even vote on you. You're essentially fighting because the, you're on the card and that's what you agree to and we have a contract. But we're going to lock your rankings and on the UFC site, which, you know, for all their flaws, gets the most credit. That's where you and I look quickly a lot of times when we're trying to match make on this show. And I think that's where a lot of other guys look too. Hell, we know the New York State Athletic Commission gives a lot of credence to those rankings. All, all the credence. So I think that I think that's a step forward. I think what we need to find is not go back to where we were because I do believe fighter safety. I do believe this is better for them. I do believe we can see better fights with this type of weigh-in, but I don't know if going backwards simply on the weigh-ins is the best way to do it. But I do think we need to find consequences. And I think the first consequence has to be, yes, you are fighting for nothing. You're fighting for not rankings, not prestige, not your next fight. 
You know, you're fighting for zero. In fact, you're fighting for half of your... Again, I want to figure out what the biggest dip they could take legally because I think you should do that for a guy who misses weight. Well, I wonder, like... This is, you know, this is like the reverse Leslie Smith, right? Like you miss weight. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting, you can't go up in ranking. You get 80% of your purse and it doesn't knock a fight off your contract cuz you didn't make the contract. I think you'd have a tough time with that one simply because I don't think you well then you'd have no way to hold them to the fight part of it if you're not holding it as part of their contract. Unless you write that in. Well, I, I mean, I've never seen well, one. But well, no, I, but I mean, that's an easy write-in. I just don't know where these guys are right now. I mean, but that might be the UFC. It's like any fight not made at weight must still be performed at rate, but will not knock the fight off your contract. I right. mean, you've got to figure out some verbiage yep, there. For sure. Call a couple lawyers. We'll figure it out. All right. So uh, you wanted to talk about GSP and what's next for him? Well, let's, let's do this first because sure. I think the other big story out of Liverpool was something that had nothing to do with the cage was the fact that Dana White was supposed to meet with Conor McGregor, and that meeting did not happen. That's true. So Dana White was supposed to meet with Conor McGregor. We haven't gotten a reason, have we, I've for that not, meeting, to, I've me, not meeting seen, to have not happened? I've not seen one, other than you know Conor is swimming in some ocean somewhere, but other than that, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, and then also uh, the rumor, and uh, I don't know how I feel about this, that he may be trying to rematch with Floyd Money Mayweather, which, you know what, hold on. Don't look at me like that yet. No, I'm... I'm if you're straight up Conor McGregor and you're a businessman, that's your move. You're uh, going to make a lot more money doing that again. Yeah, that is your move if you're mo- like, I, I found his holes. I'm going to beat the piss out of him. I right. got him this time. Yes. I did 10 rounds the first fight I ever did. What do you think I'm going to do this time? Right. There you go. And, you know, we even said after that fight, I thought the next thing was the WWE or movies. I didn't think he was going to come back because when you've got that level of, we just talked about this, right? Right. When you've got that level of money, why would, why would you do any of this stuff? Right. Why would you make weight? Why would you want to fight? Namagamedov? Why would you want to fight George St. Pierre? Why would you want to do any of that stuff? Right. I think he's a fighter at heart. I think that's yes. why. I think that's why, you know, out of all the speculation and rumors, I can believe the Mayweather rematch. And I know no, everybody says, oh, I don't want to see that. If you're Conor McGregor, though, and you did as well as you did, you're first off, whether or not you believe the conspiracy theory that Floyd Money Mayweather let you get that far in the fight to make it interesting, whether or not you believe that, there's no way in hell that Conor believes that. There's no way in hell Conor believes he let me get that far. I got that far on my own and I showed him. And I can go farther because I'm still younger and he only got older. And now I've been in there and now I know what boxing's about. So if you're Conor McGregor and you're you're a naturally competitive person and you're a fighter, that's a fight you want to have again. That makes sense in the realm of Conor's reasoning, money-wise, and what the public demand would actually be. Again, is it going to be as high as it was last time? Mm, probably not. But the fact that that fight did what it did last time means there's still going to be a lot of people paying a hundred dollars for that pay per view. Well, and I, you know, I, I, you wonder with this conspiracy theory, are we not having a meeting because we know that there's a new deal with ESPN, so the money is now changing, and I know that I, I have no chance of making what I think I'm worth in this new yeah, world. But, but I mean, in this new world, they're they're doing all right. They did a lot better than most people thought they would. So they might have some money to make, pay Conor McGregor for a one or a two off and still have enough cushion with that ESPN deal. Because Conor's not going to be on ESPN. He's going to be on paper. That's not what I'm saying. I'm right. just saying in general, like, 
he's a he's a money guy. So if he's not meeting you, there's got to be an interesting reason. Again, maybe maybe this is real, right? Or maybe this is more Connor posturing, posturing, or whatever it is. Um, we didn't have the meeting. We also this week, which is interesting timing, get the announcement that. Um, Khabib's ready to go in September, which is earlier than most people thought. The yeah. title was going to be the end of the year. So uh, that fight's certainly out there. The GSP fight is certainly out there. So, I, I mean... Well, GSP right now says that he does not want Nate Diaz, which was the next fight that a lot of people were kind of laying out there, which I find very interesting. I, I mean, I, his reasoning seems sound. What would be the point? I think the he point is that Nate Diaz... He destroyed his brother. Okay. All right. That's ridiculous. Destroyed him. So I think Nate Diaz could make him a lot of money. Now... More than Khabib? Possibly. Okay. Not more than Connor. Well, not right. more than Connor. Right. But let's let's not forget, Connor, Nate Diaz, they were... Look, I don't, I'm not saying they were 50-50, but Connor and Nate did a lot more buys than Connor on another card with a lot of other championship fights. But that that's why... So the, Nate Diaz has some name recognition yes, and can bring some dollars. But that that's why there there was so much interest in the Connor Floyd thing because for the first time in Floyd's career Connor carried the water yeah right when Connor and Nate are together they're carrying 10 times more water yeah right those press conferences were insanity so is GSP scared of Nate for lack of a better term i mean i mean no, he's not I mean, cowering I, in the corner I think, but i mean if you got a guy who can carry that much water which Nate Diaz can I mean, if you want, here, here's the thing. Okay, of course, Connor is ideal for GSP. You're both going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Connor's going to carry all the water, using your uh, metaphor there. Why in the hell is Khabib on the list? Is it simply because he's the recognized champion? Yes. Okay. I think. Well, because I think because he's not ahead of Diaz in any of those other respects. No, no, no. But he's I, not going to sell as many. No. He's not going to carry the water, so to speak, like uh, Diaz no, is. Not at all. And you know, is it a dangerous fight? for GSP versus Khabib. But th that's, but that's, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. So George knows he's got one, two, three fights tops. I think one or two. Right. Me too. But I'm not GSP, right? And if you're GSP, I don't know that money is your motivator. Right? I think big money could help be a motivator, well, but I understand gonna, what you're saying. He's going to get big money. My point is, I don't know that he's going into this going, well, how am I going to get the most pay-per-view points out of this thing? Okay, well, that would be Nate Diaz because we can do this. I'm going to do revenge right. for my brother angle, right, to go WWE. Well, not okay. just that, on, but, uh, but uh, Diaz can carry it himself, too. Well, totally. Um, you would naturally tell that story, though, right? Mm-hmm. So... Meanwhile, Khabib is undefeated and is your champ. Obviously, he won it in very weird fashion. And so you get two things out of this fight. If you cannot do Connor, we both agree that Connor is the fight. If you can't do Connor, Khabib versus GSP, if Khabib wins, right. there is no doubting his validity. Okay. Right. It helps. It helps establish Khabib, which I do like. I'm. I don't dislike any of these fights. I just thought the it was interesting. But as you're as you're laying this out, the math makes a little more sense. I you, just think I think because you can lose to the champ who's undefeated. Yes. And maybe still have that Connor fight, of or course, still have another of fight. Of course you could. Maybe even then you could still do the Diaz fight. You could do all that. If but that's, if the Diaz fight is first and he loses, you're saying there's a lot of cachet no, lost. Right. Because you because. 
Nate Diaz is not Nurmagomedov or Connor. Right. Like, say what you want, fighting at 170. Yes, he choked out Connor McGregor, but then Connor very quickly, with his fight IQ, dispatched him in the next fight. Mm-hmm. Right? So style-wise and skill-wise, Nate Diaz is not even in the same league as Connor, as Connor or Nurmagomedov. Okay, we'll let you have that for this week. Just for a minute, for right? a week. Okay, and then we can talk about that later. Because I think both of those guys bring different things to this fight that Nate doesn't bring. Right. The amount of money that you would make with Connor versus Nate is not negotiable. Right. Right? The fight, like, Nurmagomedov is a better fighter than both of those guys, Connor and Nate Diaz. Do you believe that? Well-rounded and a challenge for George St. Pierre? Yes. Okay. Because some of the things that George has, I think, makes for an interesting fight against Connor's weapons that he clearly has. Connor is 1,200 times better at boxing than Nurmagomedov is. Likely not where that fight's going to go, right? Yeah. My point being, Connor's going to make you the most money. Khabib's going to be the challenge for you. Nate is interesting. But, but shouldn't be first. But I don't think should be first because if you lose to him, if Nate does what Nate can do, which is out of thin air, get a Just choke. beat the crap like, out of you, or too. Beat the, beat the crap out of you or outlast you or whatever. Well, let's remember what Johnny Hendricks did to him years ago. Yes. That's Johnny Hendricks times 10 is how the is the dirty boxing and the weird unorthodox stance of Nate and Nick Diaz. Because you're at a different weight class. Right. So there's a lot of variables that are different than going up from going down. I just think you lose Nate, like that's the end of the story. No one wants to see the other two. Right. So that's kind of interesting as we talk about what might be next for George St. Pierre. Ties directly into Conor McGregor, which ties directly into Khabib, and whether or not maybe we'll ever see Nate Diaz again. Who knows? I mean, that's the other thing. If we don't see a big fight, I don't think we're going to see Nate Diaz. He, he realizes he's worth a lot of money. Maybe he thinks he's worth more than he is, but I think he's worth a decent amount of money, and I'm not sure if he and the UFC are seeing eye-to-eye on that or if they see him as the B-side of that Conor fight because I think he gets a little shafted in the credit because everybody talks about, yep. well, Conor's pay-per-views are always through the roof. Well, Conor was on a pay-per-view with three other championship fights, and it didn't do as well as him against Nate Diaz. Correct. And I, I think that key cannot be understated. And Three championship fights, I should, should say. And to, to that end, what is the other bigger fight for Diaz? Like, where is the other big money fight? There isn't one. No, any, anything else, and he's going down other than GSP or Khabib or Connor, but I think he really wants that Connor fight again. Yeah, and I don't, I don't see why not, because, like, Woodley's not going to make him any money. No, I don't think so. And even Max Holloway is not going to make him any money. So it's not. It's it's going to be an interesting dynamic as you move forward. Uh, ESPN deal. We've got more details on that. You want to talk about that real uh, quick? Sure. So uh, here are the deals that we've got. So ESPN is going to have 10 linear events. We talked about that last week. What does linear mean? We didn't talk about that, though. Uh, like, that's... That's going to be part of the story. That's I, not like Han Solo, uh, <laughs> like is a different part of the story. A, U- a UFC story. I don't know what the hell that means when they say um, linear. So it's going to be treated as premium events like UFC on Fox. Okay. Ten of those. Do ten. we have ten of those on Fox a year now? Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't think but so. But we talked about that last week. So um, ESPN Plus events will have similar pacing to TV cards as they'll be televised internationally. That's a good sign, everybody. Um, well, uh, no, here, I'll, uh, just let me stop you there for real quick. Not necessarily, because there's uh, the people that do like the Fight Pass cards have liked the Fight Pass pacing because there's not been as many breaks, and it seems like the cards are tighter because they're on Fight Pass. The difference here is the ESPN Plus events are going to be broadcast internationally, so they're going to have to run them 
even though they're on the app, exactly the same as a TV broadcast. So there are a lot of people who aren't fans of that. Well, I, here's a, I'll give you a part that I'm not a fan of, but the TV pacing, like if we're doing, I get what you're saying with the breaks, but if we're doing less fights on these cards, so it ends up being two hours versus 77, right. I'm, I'm okay that's, with that. And, that's, and I understand what you mean there. Most main cards are going to still begin at 10 o'clock Eastern. That's the big deal that I'm very surprised about. This next one's worse. On ESPN Plus, plus, that deal gives them flexibility to start at the international market's prime time as opposed to ours. So That's if, fine. I don't have you, an issue with that. On an ESPN Plus card, that's going to be like a Fight Pass card. Well, no, it's... There's ES- I'm sorry, don't hate the same things you do. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but you're not you're hating it for the wrong reason. Like in the current iteration, you have Fox fights. Yes. FS1 fights. Yes. Fight Pass fights. Okay. Now we have pay-per-view fights. Yes. ESPN fights. Yes. ESPN Plus. Yes. No Fight Pass fights. No, no. Right. So like what I'm saying is it doesn't like it's not going to keep me up at night, but if you were if you are a big fan, I know I know you are. If you are a big fan of Darren Till, one o'clock on Memorial Day Sunday, probably not your favorite thing. Yeah, but what else are you going to do? I mean, it's that's the time it is in England. You can't make these people just, stay up till three in the you morning. Just don't go there. Okay, you don't go there. That's going to work with their global expansion well, so, plan. Like what I'm saying is, for the amount of events, there's 15 or six. Sorry, there's 20 events on ESPN mm-hmm. Plus. If a bulk of those end up being international. I, you know, as a U.S. fan, that's kind of a bummer. That's not going to draw the dollars ESPN Plus wants. I think they're just leaving that out there as a possibility. And that's just, hey, we're going to have flexibility. I think a lot of these statements are going to shake out in the wash, essentially. What we actually see on TV in the next couple years. Because I can't imagine ESPN is going to want to run their events at 10 o'clock. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. All of them. And just especially in the summer and stuff, they when they've got dead times, why the hell would they want an event at 10 o'clock? Look, we already talked about football last week. If you were listening, I was saying those are probably going to be their opportunities to switch off the B game or whatever it is and switch, dump that down to uh, ESPN 2 or whatever that, that is and kind of maybe push that West Coast audience to now watch the UFC event. I would get that, but I can't, I can imagine this changing a bit as we kind of figure things out and actually put pen to paper and some guy at ESPN goes, no, no, no. This is going to be 10 to midnight. That's the other thing, too, is a lot of people are saying maybe these will be at 10, but this is going to be a two-hour show, guys. Oh, and I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is when we get into 130, right. right? Like, And one more thing that's a little bit grayer, which is odd. I don't know how you could get grayer. It appears right now Fight Pass is not going away. No. But the only clarification we have is that Glory, Invicta, Titan, and Eddie Bravo Invitational are what's going to live there for now. Well, here's the interesting thing. If you're a super fan of Fight Pass and you really like those things, it's going to be a $5 add-on to ESPN+. Plus. That's the other thing. So they're going to get an extra 15 bucks a year from the three people that are super fans of... No, it's an extra five. They're not going to get any extra because you're already spending five on the ESPN Plus. I meant there's probably only three people... Oh, there's three people. ...who are super into Invicta, Titan, and Addy Bravo Invitational. Okay, one more thing. I do want to mention that. They said the pay-per-view model will remain the same with ESPN Plus added as a distributor, which is interesting in the fact that we were talking about what can the UFC do with Fight Pass and what can they do internally to make more money? The next step is going to be to pull pay-per-views off of satellite and off of regular cable. And I don't know if that's going to remain the same over five years or remain the same next year. Because 
I wonder when these deals are up. I got to imagine that that's them playing around in the space, as you like to say a lot. ESPN Plus, can you handle our pay-per-views? Can they live on ESPN Plus and now you're the distributor? Is this working well? What's your penetration? You guys know what you're doing is streaming. We don't have to worry about the back end clogging up. If they feel like that's a viable option, I wouldn't be surprised if during this deal, again, we see the UFC pull these pay-per-views in-house. And we see if we've got to do 12. Is that where we are, pay-per-views? If we have to do 12, I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN Plus is now your home for UFC pay-per-views. $39.99 when you want to watch Amanda Nunez just beat the holy hell out of somebody she's overmatching. $59.99 when Conor McGregor's back. Or maybe if John Jones ever comes back. Or uh, if it's Stipe taking on DC. Those kind of fights. I mean, if you see it, we could easily see a tiered system where if the UFC doesn't have to give half of their money at a minimum to cable companies and satellite companies, they can make a lot more money yes, on these events. Could. And, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't expect them to be able to turn this around in what is now becoming five to seven months. Because that's a big ask, considering they were just able to get the deal done. But I certainly could see them keeping an eye on this, as they have been across the platforms. I, they played with Fight TV earlier this year yep. to see if they could manage the pay-per-views. And I know they pulled them off because of some of the pricing things that they had going on. But it, it's going to be interesting. And understand, guys, that like as much as we dog on Fight Pass, we understand why they're not getting rid of it. Because it's only a five-year deal. And they don't want to start all over in five years and having to roll all no. that stuff up. Well, and like you said, the data's there, the, the the subscriptions are there. Even if you if you make it tiered or you make it, hey, you've still got access. I here's the thing that I I do find interesting about Fight Pass, and I, I think I told you this a while ago when I got rid of it. Actually, as hey man, I'm not paying ten dollars for this. They're just not doing enough. The most interesting thing I I found about the app, at least for my use, I can still get the. Uh, pre-show stuff. I can still get the uh, media conferences. I can yep. still, I can still get a lot. I can still consume their product in ways that are very easy through their app without necessarily being a subscriber. And uh, there's of course value in that, and of course value to keeping that. It's whether or not there's enough value to actually part people with their dollars, Correct. which is going to become the interesting part of this dynamic. And again, maybe if you're talking to Invicta Super fans on their site, only five more dollars. If you've got ESPN Plus, you can see all of our events. You know, if you if you're a super fan of grappling, only five more bucks. If you've already got ESPN Plus, only five more dollars. I mean, you know, that's an interesting price dynamic because it's it's bringing things down. Even though it's an add-on, it's still bringing things down as far as value goes. For sure. And with that, um, there is an event this weekend. Um, the UFC heads to Utica? Utica. Um, UFC Utica. UFC Utica. Indeed. I swear to God, we spend this whole show talking about the problems of all these events and how they just create these events that nobody wants to see that are too late at night. And then the end of every show, you tell me about some god awful event that's about to happen. Uh, it's a rare Friday night show. Um, it's UFC Fight Night 131, and that will be headline. Oh, your your boy Sam Alvey's on this card as well because I know you're a huge fan. Oh, good. Um, and that's going to be headlined by. What is this? What is this event this weekend? <laughs> I just told you. No, I mean, what is it called though? It's UFC Utica or Fight Night 131. Jimmy Rivera and uh, okay, that's Marlon what Marais, I'm for. Um, are have a grudge match that you can There's catch. There's a grudge match? Friday night. On Who's Fox Marlon Marais? <laughs> How do they have a grudge match? They, they hate each other. Who's on this card? Tune in to, to find out. Jake Allenberger's on the card. I didn't, yeah. I'm just trying to find names I recognize at this point. Jesus. So there you go. Friday night. Yeah, don't follow us on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere this weekend, because uh, unless Eric's going to do this one. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> and next week, we talk about why CM Punk is so damn important, because they got a whole freaking card that nobody's going to watch this weekend. They do have a whole card that no one's going to watch this weekend, and we absolutely, you and I, are going to go toe-to-toe, because I, I am willing to bet, friends, for next week, and then we'll let you go. I'm willing to bet we might not even get to talk about the main event, because we will spend an hour arguing about CM Punk and Michael Jackson. It's ridiculous that he's, he wouldn't be on the card if you're already paying him to be there. I didn't say he couldn't be on the main card. Event. Oh, my God. Okay. Main card, not main event. Co-main no, you can make I, an argument oh for, God. too. Literally. There's been better fights. There's been better Old fights. Old Cabana's going to be in his corner. If you're from West Michigan, there's been better fights at the score competitively. Let's than calm down. Not in the humidity. <laughs> Just saying. That one was even better. Even that one was better. At WOW Wrap Show. Wrap this. At Wrap WOW this. Show. Twitter and Facebook. I'm Eric Hulker, and That's Ken Evans. This is your MMA show.